that little voice inside your head. We all hear it. It says you can't do it. You're not good enough. Don't mess this up. You're going to fail. Well, we can either listen to it, step into the back seat and go along for the ride, or we can let it drive us to success. Jonathan Wrights shares his story of overcoming and winning next. This is a dash of grit. Recipes for success from courageous leaders who overcome challenges and build great things. Now, podcasting from Spire to leaders in local communities like yours, here is Brian Leflock. And so let's get cooking. Hey, everyone needs a coach, and sometimes the coach needs a coach. My guest today is Director of Training and CEO for CoachNet Global Managing Partner with Harrison Assessments. He's also a two-time presenter at the World Business and Executive Coach Summit, and he has earned his place in the 2019-2020 Top 50 Executive Coaches in the World. If you want to get better at what you do, who are you going to call? Jonathan Wrights is our guest right now on Dash of Grit. Welcome, Jonathan. Hey, thanks, Brian. Appreciate it. Thanks for having me. Great to be here. We're really excited to talk with you. We've known each other for a long time, but I'm learning things about you that I never knew before, too, and I'm excited to share that with our listening base. And let's let's start first. Tell folks what CoachNet is. Tell them what uh, is exciting and what's great. Let's talk about success here that you've earned with CoachNet. Brag a All right. Bit. Well, well, CoachNet is an accredited coach training program, ACTP in the International Coaching Federation. There are only about 125 of those programs in the world. So we we have uh, we have worked hard. We've put a lot of time, a lot of energy, a lot of effort into making these things happen. And so coaching is a skill set that is designed to help people that are coached realize that they can accomplish things they didn't think they could accomplish. So when somebody comes to me, they're thinking about something they want to accomplish that they feel like might be just a bit out of reach. And through collaborations, through conversation, through partnership, we figure out a way to get them from where they're starting to that vision that they're pursuing in, uh, in as short a period of time as possible. And it's typically CEOs, it's CEOs and business folks and organization leaders that are coming to you for this help? It could be. It could be. An executive coach typically works with someone who is leading an organization, whether it's a for-profit business or a not-for-profit organization. A life coach uses a similar skill set designed to help someone get more meaning or more accomplishment out of life. Like there, There are coaches that specialize in virtually every area you can imagine. And, and in my case, I particularly specialize on leaders looking to maximize their own uniqueness as they lead. And then secondarily, people that are starting new things. Now, does, does your success, I want to stay with success one a little bit longer because I introduced you as one of the top 50 in the world. Is that your definition of success or is there something that CoachNet does that is even more successful than that? How do you justify or quantify that? You know, you know what I define as success in a coaching situation is when the client has discovered something about themselves that maybe they didn't believe or didn't want to believe or didn't maybe didn't know even at all. Mm-hmm. That's the first piece. The second piece is that it brings a result or an outcome into their life that maybe wasn't on their radar before we work together. So mm-hmm. there, there, there's something that, that, that's the combination of both deeper self-understanding and different outcomes. It's both and. So that's really what I look at. Now, in, in some situations, like uh, 
I could drop uh, I could drop the name of a large social network that almost all of us have been on probably in the last 24 hours where I have a client. Okay. And this person is learning about themselves and bringing that to life in what they do with their team out there in Silicon Valley. Okay. So that that's a huge win. And in this particular case, there's lots of uh, financial uh, ramifications for that person getting it right. But it's just as meaningful to me if it's somebody, um, you know, figuring out how to make the most of the paint color in their living room, where there's not nearly as much at stake, but if they discover something about themselves that leads to a different result or a different outcome, hey, that, that just, that hits me where I live. You're taking that home as success. Yeah, and, you bet. And, and so let's talk a little bit about that. You didn't just wake up, unless you did, you didn't just wake up as, you know, in the top 50. And it yeah. takes work. And that's what this podcast is, is about, Jonathan. It's about grit. It's about overcoming struggles. Let's talk about that. Let's talk about some times perhaps when it maybe wasn't so good, you were number 51 <laughs> or, let's, or even further down. Tell us a little bit about some of the hurdles maybe that you've overcome to get to where you are today. You know, there's been, there's been a couple of them. And interestingly enough, the, one of the things that coaches talk about as being a critical time to struggle is three months after your coach training ends or three months after your initial plan for your coaching practice is over, mm -hmm. all of a sudden it, go, it goes sideways. You know, I got to be honest with you, Brian. I didn't struggle at that point okay. because I realized that I had somebody telling me what to do at that point. The first 10 years of my coaching, I've been coaching almost 25 years. Okay. So uh, I, I, I was an overnight success in 25 years. Yeah, 25 years at a time. Yeah. 365 yeah. days a year at a time. Yeah. Yes, and, and, and when I went out on my own in my own business 13 years ago, mm -hmm. that's actually when the struggle started. Okay. And the thing I realized in that situation is that when I first started, somebody else was providing me a vision for where my coaching was going to go. They were your so coach to be a coach. Yeah, well, they were, they were my boss and, and, and coach. Sure. And they were providing me this vision and saying, hey, look, coach these people, coach them this way. Let's look for these outcomes. Let's see if we can evaluate success this way. It, was, it wasn't difficult to project myself into that vision and then actually take steps forward toward yeah. it. Yeah. Well, when I got out on my own, mm -hmm. that entrepreneur is heavy, isn't it? Yeah, mm -hmm. yeah. You, you know, often I want to challenge people's concept of struggle here. Just, just for a moment, because often when you're not struggling, it's because your vision isn't clear enough. If your vision is crystal clear and you want it so bad you can taste it, that's when the struggle comes. Yeah. And that's when the struggle is worthwhile that's because you, you can see it. Harder. Yep. Yeah, you can yep. see it. And it's so close to it's so real to you that you can't wait to make the progress and get to that place where you're going and you start moving down that road toward it. It gets more difficult because the vision means so much to you. So I'm going to suggest to you that it's really helpful for us as leaders to think about struggle as a positive thing because it means our vision is meaningful to us. And, you know, I 100% had that. I started thinking about this vision of, you know, maybe there's a way to reinvent the way coaches are trained so that we can really use the things we've been given 
to produce results for other people and have that be our, our primary motivator, our primary driver. And, and we, we were working toward that and things went, were going pretty well. And for whatever reason, um, it looked like things were going to move forward. It looked like we were making the right kind of progress. And I sat down and did a financial audit about three years ago okay. and went, holy crap. I thought we were right on progress, right on track for this vision, but this is not good. Were you in the red? Was it, was it dire straits? We were not just in the red. Oh, a different shade of red, I take it. Um, <laughs> it, it, it there was so much red in the book oh boy. that it was spilling out onto the table yeah, and running bad. off the edge of the table onto the floor to the point that uh, my wife was coming down and yelling at me about what was happening to the carpet. Yeah. So it was... Um, and that was a once, like you just discovered it and all of a sudden it's like, oh, oh, geez, like that? Is that how it happened? Yeah, and this was a situation where at, at that time I had a partner okay. who was managing the, the, the books, was keeping the books um, fully on top of it, did a great job. The books were accurate to her <laughs> credit, 100% okay. accurate. And for whatever reason... I just wasn't seeing it. There probably were signs long before this uh, this moment happened, but I didn't see them. When you saw them, how did that make you feel? Did it energize you for the next step, or did it make you want to go crawl in a corner somewhere in a field position? Uh, uh, it, it it made me it, it made that inner voice in my head step up in volume about 17 steps saying you can't do it or you can say, saying you know you've always known you were going to screw this up yeah you know you've always known this was gonna this train was going to come off the tracks mm. um and, that's hard. And, you, and and you know that, that that's that's a pattern for me i i i um for, for a whole bunch of reasons, that's the kind of comment my inner monologue has made to me for a long, long time. Mm. So the first step in turning this thing around was to say to myself, not today. That's not happening today. Mm. And that was that that was tough. That was a that was one of those moments where the stop sign was big and bright and right, bright and looming. And I had to go, you know what? It says stop. It doesn't say quit. So I'm interested in this because I know that there are far more people listening than not who doubt themselves and have that other voice in their shoulder telling them they can't do it. And so I want them to listen now. When you heard that voice saying, I can't do it. And then you said not today. Did you believe yourself or did you have to talk yourself into it? Was it a fake not today? Because that little voice on your shoulder is a real voice telling you you can't. And somehow you overcame that voice. Tell me how you did that. It, it was, I probably had to repeat it a few times. Yeah. Okay, a few, a few dozen times. Yeah. Maybe a few hundred times. Yeah. <laughs> uh, um, I, I absolutely had to, con had, had to commit to that mantra. Say, saying, hey, you know what? This is a new direction. And I knew at that moment, I knew absolutely at that moment that CoachNet had to operate differently 
but I wasn't sure how yet. So the first thing I did was I gave myself, I think it was 10 days. Mm. I think I got serious about this on, on a Thursday. And I said, by a week from Monday, I will have a plan. Okay. And I, I really didn't reveal to the team. I didn't talk to my partner. Now I was, I was by far the majority partner. So uh, any solution that was going to come, I had to initiate. I, and I knew that. And I realized about halfway through that 10 day window, it might've been two weeks that I gave myself, but I think it was 10 days. Um, I realized about halfway through that, that we were at a crossroads, that one of two things were going to happen. We were going to go bankrupt. We were going to declare bankruptcy and shut down and the court would, uh, would jump in and that would be big and nasty and ugly. My brother's a, a, a small business attorney. So he was giving me some guidance along these lines. He was like, Hey, uh, you don't have to hire me to do this, but this is what you should expect. Yeah. And I went, wow, I hate that. I hate the thought of this, but it was a road forward. A real option that you had to consider. Yeah. It was a legit option that I had to, I had to be serious about. Yeah. Then the, the second option, the only other option that really seemed viable was to make some serious changes to how CoachNet functioned, probably buy my partner out, certainly lay off most of the staff, convert some of the employees to contract so we could continue serving students, we could continue making some good things happen, uh, but really lower the overhead dramatically. And then take on some, some things that I hadn't done in a long time, take them back and start doing them again and then um, deploy to contractors that reduced costs, uh, the vast majority of the rest of the operation. And that was the option I ended up choosing. So what I ended up having to do was borrow the money to buy out my, co my, my partner, which I was shocked that I found a bank to do. Yeah. Uh, but fortunately, we didn't have a tremendous amount of other debt, unlike a, a lot of small businesses and the bank took, the, took this on. And we reprioritized with, with one employee instead of four and four contractors instead of 11. We reprioritized on serving the core business, which was coach training for a specific kind of coach. You set up a plan to do those things within 10 days. And what the question I have for you is, why didn't you just quit? I mean, that would have been so much easier. You poured your whole life into this thing. You had a partner. You, your wife was upset about the bloodstains on the floor. Why didn't you just quit? Be, because, A, I still had a vision for how coaching could help people make the most of the things that were important to them. And B, like you just said, I had poured my life into this thing. Mm. And Can't get that I, back, can you? Yeah, and, yep. and, and, I, and I'm, I'm, I'm not going to lie to you, Brian. At the time, I was 51 years old. I was 50, about to be 51 years old. And I thought to myself, I'm going to have a hard time finding a job that recognizes the experience that I have because, you know, let's be honest, I'm a middle-aged white man. Um, there's a, um, th that's an uphill climb. Yep. Um, I, I would have taken on that. I would have taken that seriously if that was the road I decided to go down. But I, I wanted to give myself one last thought. And I, and I did <laughs> think to myself, I did think to myself, one year, one year to, um, 
to see if this thing can can turn around. Uh, I never I never said that out loud. In fact, I don't think I've said that out loud to anyone except prior to right now on this podcast. Okay. But I I did say to myself, I'm going to give this one year, and put the plan into place into ten years. Had an awful conversation with my nine year business partner, mm-hmm. who had um, who had done a good job with what I with the role I had asked her to uh, to take on. Um, had dealt with some crazy family strife on top of it um, and and had had kept things moving forward uh, as best she could and I, but I had I just had to then say we can't do this yeah we're, we're either going to shut down and go into bankruptcy or we're going to move forward and what I've decided to do as the majority partner is move forward in this way so let's talk about your transition out and I, I, uh, I actually, against my better judgment, against my employee, my uh, lawyer's better judgment, against the three or four key people that who speak, who spoke into this decision uh, with me, uh, friends, coaches, mentors, et cetera, I decided to pay back her entire investment mm-hmm. in, in the company, plus about 10% of profit. And putting that down on paper the first time I went to my, I, I thought to myself, WTF, what am I thinking? And what were you thinking? Why'd you do that? I'm glad you did. I think more people ought to do it that way, but why did you at the time? You could have done, you didn't have to do that. I, I, I two things. Number one, it's, she had invested in CoachNet at a time when almost nobody else was. And I wanted to repay that. Yeah. Good for you. And number two, I felt like the fact that we were in that circumstance was because of my own leadership failing. And looking back on it, she had attempted to warn me about a couple of these things. And and, uh, I, for whatever reason, didn't hear it or didn't want to hear it. And there was a part of me that wanted to say, you know what, I'm going to own this circumstance myself. Um, now months later, she and I did have a conversation about, Hey, yeah, I could have done this better. This could have gone. And, and, and it's, it's very positive. It's very positive. She's actually reached out to me for, for, for a couple of things in, 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 in the very recent past, it, it's turned out to be a very positive thing, but it was because the, the, the decision had to be made and handled the way it was. And I just wanted to acknowledge that, you know what, you did the best you could. You. you, you, you had the hard conversations with me when needed to be. I made different decisions, and you still did the best you could. Yeah. Um, and it, it, it was hard. It was, it was really hard. Yeah, no, but, sure. but, but got, got it done. done. Yeah, and yeah. so, and, yeah. and so, the next stage. So, I'm interested, and we're we're coming up a little tight on time, but I, I'm just so fascinated by this. You've got this plan. You're going down this plan, devil or high water, whatever. You're going to get it. What happened then that almost made you crawl into a fetal position? Anything that just knocked you off your side? There, there, yeah, there definitely were a couple of things. We had, we had a couple of large clients decide to move on and do things other ways. Um, we, we had a couple of, uh, of um, we had a couple of staff people decide to, uh, to move on uh, in, in the middle of this. I had a couple of people that work for me going, what are you doing? Yeah. And <laughs> all, every single one of those, 
was an opportunity for the voice to go, you're going to goof it up. You're going to screw it up. Now it, it's, it's funny. Um, when I am doubting myself, I have a, I, my, my, um, <laughs> my, of course, this is rooted in, in my parents. Of course, it is. You know, because it's, 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 it's always fault. yeah. No, 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 no. It's 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 my home experience. It's not my parents' fault because my parents did the absolute best they could with me. <laughs> I just remember going not being equipped to to really deal with it. There, there was a tone of voice that my mom and dad both had when they were disappointed in me when I was a kid. You know, I would I would uh, I would goof up something or I'd fly off the handle at school or something like that. Yeah. And I would hear this tone of voice. It's the same tone of voice I have in my head when I'm convinced oh, I'm going to screw it up, screw something up. And once I noticed that tone of voice in my own head during all this, I just went, I'm not going to talk to myself like that anymore. That's not me. Yeah, it's not. I'm not going to talk to myself like that anymore. And that that um, that's not acceptable. And that was the turning point, Brian. That was the thing that made me go, okay, that tone of voice is not welcome. I, I might be able to raise important questions for myself, but that tone of voice is not welcome. And, and I, and I got to be honest with you, Brian, that was, um, that was a missing piece to dealing with a history of depression, which was also a piece of all of this for, for, for me is that you know, 35 years, depression would show up at the least opportune times. As it will. And, and it was always rooted in that tone of voice. And I, I mean, I'd love to tell you it's completely gone. And now that I don't allow myself to talk to myself with that tone of voice, it doesn't ever come up. It's not true. No. But it's a lot more manageable because I'm not wounding myself on top of the wounds that already exist. The fact that you know it's, a, it's there allows you to deal with it. And so I'm wondering, does that, your battles with depression, you're overcoming that the best you can. You're at least learning to deal with it. Does that help you? Did that help you become one of the top 50 coaches in the world? That Because I, I have to assume the people you're coaching are dealing with that voice on their shoulder too. I, I think it's two things. Number one, I think there's an empathy that if you've been there, if you've been in the dark night of the soul, I think you have empathy for when other people are there. Yes. At the same time, I think you also have a really heightened BS meter. Mm. Because... I know when I am choosing to go, oh, I'm just depressed. I don't feel, I, I, I can't Yeah, just let out. me go home, right. And, and a really sharp question helps in yeah. that moment. From, from somebody you trust. A really sharp question from somebody you trust helps in that moment. And I think that's one of the things that clients appreciate is yeah. I have a sense, and I, I can't really describe it. It's just a been around the block kind of thing. Uh, that I know when to ask the question and when to go, should we reschedule? Because it's, yeah. um, it, it's a fine line. It's a fine yeah. line. And, and I, think, I think that's an asset. I think that's an advantage. For you. And I'm glad you're able to use it. I'm glad you overcome those things and over, have over, overcome those things for yourself and for, for others. I, I can see where you being able to say, look, that's a real issue. Let's deal with that. Or, hey, look, man, pick them up and put them down. Let, let's get busy here is a real differentiator for you. So you're, yeah, you're extreme. So. Yeah. So you're extremely successful and you're doing great things. And I'm just wondering what's next, because the one thing I've learned about successful people is they're never successful. They're always something else that's driving them something to go. So for you or for coach net, what's, what's the, what's next on the horizon? Where do you need to show some grit next? Well, let's just say it like this, Brian. Um, we're going to be refu referring to the training company currently known as coach Net, hopefully for a long time. But we're not always going to be calling it CoachNet. 
Oh boy. So there, there is looming on the horizon um, a reinvention of the training school that is CoachNet. Because, okay. uh, you know, that, that, that community that we've built around this approach to coach training um, is ready for a new level. It's ready for, it's ready for the, next, the next bump. Um, in effectiveness, in leveraging technology, in understanding interpersonal dynamics in a way that uh, that we didn't understand nine months ago prior to uh, a global pandemic. Yeah. Um, and it's just been really clear that um, there's a slightly different direction coming soon. And, and so if I can if I can dive a little deeper, and you can tell me no because I didn't sign the uh, non confidentiality requirement. But um, what scares you most about that next hurdle? <laughs> well, it goes it goes right back to the it goes right back to that voice in my head. Okay, you know, just, just just be honest. Leave it alone, Jonathan. Leave it alone. No, no. Here, here's I'm gonna I'm gonna tell you. I'm gonna tell you is is somebody who who. I admire very much and who I trust. And this, this brings my past struggle into today's reality. This is, I think, a thing that, an, that a leader deals with on an ongoing basis is how do we navigate this thing that has been a challenge for us in the past on an ongoing, consistent basis? You know, so this, this friend of mine said to me, uh, you know, the brand of your business is not as cool as you are. Mm -hmm. And I thought to myself, oh, that's a silly thing to say. And I pressed him on it a little bit. And he said, well, I see you giving permission to people to, to dive into what's most important to them, to be who they actually are, to deal with their scar tissue, to make all those things into assets. And I see this kind of vanilla business, that you, yeah. business brand that you're operating, and it doesn't match. And I worry a little bit if I move, and I probably have done that on purpose, just to be honest with you, as, as, as a business owner. Mm -hmm. But I worry if I push down that road, am I really ready to be that transparent all the time? And will my clients and customers and students see something of value? Because, you know, I still have that little voice in there going, you're going to goof it up. You're going to goof it up. And the reality of it is, Brian, is that I'm going to do my best. I'm going to try my, try my hardest. Yeah. And that voice is just a part of who I am. It's not the whole thing. Yeah. Yeah. And you've got another voice on your other side that will coach that voice in. And I know that's what yeah. drives you and drives your success. And so, Jonathan, I can't imagine anybody out there that that uh, doesn't want to talk to you right now. I, I just, I think I want to call you again, just to talk more about this. But Sweet. if someone wanted to reach out and, and maybe share some of their stories and see perhaps if you could help them or just learn more about CoachNet, how, how would they do that? Well, I'm all over LinkedIn, Jonathan Wrights, R-E-I-T-Z. You can find me at coachnet.org. That's where the training school lives. Or my coaching practices website is jonathanwrights.com. Very good. Thank you very much, Jonathan, for taking the time. I know it's valuable and I really appreciate it. I know folks out there listening are going to hear a little bit of themselves in your story. And I know they appreciate that as well. Boy, I sure appreciate the opportunity to uh, spend a little time with you to talk about some of this stuff. And uh, hopefully folks are seeing a bit of themselves and a bit of the way forward in the conversation. 
I think they will. And thank you so much. A Dash of Grid is brought to you from all of us here at Spire. A quick plug for the good guys here, if you don't mind, Jonathan, Spire is conducting a webinar. We call it Simplify. It's finding and fixing four marketing blockers uh, that may exist in your organization, costing you time and money. And this is free. It will help. Our webinars are good. I've seen it happen. And so Thursday, October 29th is the day, 10 a.m. Eastern time. You can register at spireed.com slash simplify. I am Brian Leffelock, Director of Sales with Spire Advertising. Thank you once again to Jonathan Wrights. He is the CEO and coach extraordinaire with CoachNet Global. This has been Dash of Grit. Thank you for listening. We'll do it again. You can catch past episodes on iTunes, Spotify, or right here at spireed.com. Jonathan, thank you. Thanks a lot, Brian. Take care. This is a Dash of Grit. Recipes for success from courageous leaders who overcome challenges and build great things.